Welcome to this week's episode of the International Foreman. I have to say, it feels good to be back. Let me first of all start by saying thank you to YGA Secretary Harry Padawan for doing the last episode. He was an incredible host and now makes me think I've got some competition. Anyway, as always, we have a fantastic show for you, dear listener. So without any delay, let's get into it. Firstly, the Ugandan parliament is reviewing a law that would fine people who refuse to get their COVID vaccine. The proposed fine amount is 4 million Ugandan shillings, equivalent to roughly £844. A failure to pay this fine will result in six months in prison. There's optimism that this law will increase the vaccine take-up. Next, in Iran, the Iran Mall has beaten out the Dubai Mall and become the largest shopping centre in the world. The Iran Mall has a total retail floor area of 21 million square feet, boasting a library, cinema, gardens, restaurants and of course shops, all designed to incorporate historical patterns and methods of Iranian architecture. Over in Europe, have we seen a hint of a post-Brexit Britain? Recent statistics have shown trade between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland has boomed, while British and Northern Irish trade has plummeted. As per the Northern Ireland Protocol, Northern Ireland has remained in the EU single market for goods, this allowing for trade to flow freely between the Republic of Ireland. This is in contrast with new checks being rolled out for trade with the rest of the United Kingdom. In Australia, the stock exchange has tumbled as Russia rushes to Kiev. Markets globally have been dropping due to the ongoing war in Ukraine, but Australia in particular has been hit hard with the value of the Australian dollar dropping by 0.6%. On an unsure upside, the value of gold has gone up by 1.7%. <coughs> Lastly, Colombia has become the third nation in Latin America to update their abortion laws, legalising access within the first 24 weeks of pregnancy. Prior to this law, abortion was only allowed under a very few specific circumstances. This case in Colombia is another part of the feminist green wave that's been sweeping Latin America, calling for more female bodily autonomy. So there have been our stories. Thank you to our continuous, but also our new writers over at The Brief. Your articles, as always, are fascinating and informative. Next, on to our guest section. So today's guest is a good friend of mine. He's the first fresher to be on the international foreman. A fellow history and politics student has recently been elected as the vice president of the Politics Society. And while doing all of this, he still finds the time to write consistently for the brief. So if you could just introduce yourself, please, and say what you're here to talk about. Yes, of course. Um, thank you, firstly, for inviting me. I'm very, very glad to talk about um, German poli foreign policy. And uh, as you said, my name is Nia and I'm a first year history and politics student and I'm from Germany. So um, lovely to talk about my own country. It's great to have you on, Nia. So I suppose I'll be right the same. We've definitely got an expert on today. So my first question for you then, Nia, is what has German po foreign policy been prior to this change? Because from what I understand, there's been a major shift in German foreign policy. So if you could just give us a bit of history as to what German foreign policy was before this change. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think we should probably go about maybe eight years back and in time, just after the end of 
the Second World War, I mean, we had consider considerable change in Germany and in German foreign policy in general. So, uh, I mean, after the Second War, obviously, um, Germany was very limited in its sovereignty and had a limited agency concerning its foreign policy. Um, the West gained its full sovereignty only in 1952. I mean, the uh, West German Republic was founded in 1949, but it took um, until 1952 to regain full sovereignty. And from then we had like a very anti-communist foreign policy, a slow European integration and a turning towards the West and America as the most important ally of the West German state. This foreign policy was largely continued um, and up till this date, I mean, the anti-communist uh, stance was dropped in the late 60s, beginning of the 70s, but to this day, um, European integration as well, well as a, a strong emphasis on the transatlantic partnership has been the core of German foreign policy throughout the different governments we had, whether they were led by social democrats or uh, conservatives. And we have seen a constant commitment to expand um, the activities uh, on an international level. So expand um, the activities in multilateral organizations such as NATO, um, the UN and the EU. Germany has been a major player um, in the EU already since its founding and has expanded its role uh, considerably in the EU. And what we can also see is that Germany has ever since played an important role as sort of the honest broker that um, can be traced back even before the West German or the unified German state ever existed to about 18, the 1870s and the 1880s. Looking back to the time of Bismarck, we see um, Germany adopting the role of the honest broker trying um, to coordinate foreign policy and to negotiate between um, different conflicting partners. And we saw this um, even in the last government, uh, the last Merkel government, where the German foreign minister Heiko Maas tried to negotiate or organize peace negotiations for Libya, for example. Um, this generally more, I mean, German foreign policy has obviously because of the great historical burden of um, Germany as a country has been more of a restrained foreign policy. So we don't have an active interventionism as we might see um, with France, for example, in Africa and uh, the US in the Middle East. So it has been more of a policy of dialogue and restraint. And this could be seen with uh, Russia, for example, to go to that key example of um, German foreign policy and since the 1960s and 1970s, um, instead of going more, being more aggressive uh, in an anti-communist stance, Germany has shifted more to a policy of detente, so more relaxed policy towards Russia. We have tried or Germany has tried to integrate Russia in a collective project for European peace, uh, which we would call Entspannungspolitik and try to improve the relationships between East and West and especially East and West Germany in that case. After the reunification of Germany, um, this policy of moderation and cooperation stayed the most important part, uh, stayed the most important doctrine in German foreign policy. And the key goal has been to basically secure the peace in Europe and um, the security in Europe. And 
since um, I think or since the 60s and 70s and up until 2014 one um, has viewed this project of creating peace and security for Europe as only possible through a dialogue um, with Russia so integration through dialogue integration through trade into Europe um, was essential to German foreign policy with 2014 and um, the invasion of Crimea we have seen a shift in German foreign policy already. Uh, Germany became more active in its foreign policy and um, imposed sanctions and the tensions rose in that case and we have greater uh, activity also on the world stage condemning for example human rights violations. So that a bit of the history of German foreign policy. Okay excellent Neo. So to bring us into the current day then with German foreign policy and this talk of a change with it. So what is the change in German foreign policy then? What does German foreign policy look like now? And is it a drastic change compared to the history that you've just outlined? Um, well, definitely. It is a really, we uh, is a historical moment in German foreign policy, especially now uh, due to the war in Ukraine. It, I deliberately talked about um, German foreign policy uh, concerning Russia because now with Russia invading Ukraine, this has been basically the the um, the reason why German foreign policy has changed, why there has been this historical shift from a more restrained foreign policy to a more active foreign policy. So the greatest change might seem more direct change, and that is um, that um, Olaf Scholz, the current Chancellor of Germany, has announced that. Um, special funds of 100 of 100 billion euros should be um, supplied um, for the Bundeswehr, so our um, army. And these these special funds should be put into the constitution. So he wants to amend the constitution and secure this budget of 100 billion euro for our army. And this is a very, 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 very big change. I mean, no one saw this coming, really no one saw this coming because Germany has always been um, very reluctant uh, to fund its army so um, and to expand its military capacity. And it has always been criticized for that, especially by its NATO partners for not spending enough on their army. So they never actually fulfill the 2% goal of NATO. So you have to spend 2% of your, um, of the, I think of the national income basically um, on your military as part of NATO and now they're buying drones, new planes and simply uh, spending more money for a general European rearmament. And this is also just to point out a very interesting as um, our foreign minister is uh, from the Green Party and the Green Party has been historically very pacifist. So seeing this um, rearmament taking place under a Green foreign minister is also a very very interesting development and with this uh, basically with this rearmament of Germany we can see that Germany moves away from the restrained foreign policy so Germany moves away from a tactic of a strategy a doctrine of moderation and cooperation and takes a more direct stance uh, I would not say aggressive but definitely a more direct and more interventionist stance concerning its foreign policy, especially now concerning Russia. 
not only has um, has it sort of it has not given up its role as honorable broker because it still tries to encourage dialogue on the world stage, but it has uh, been more active in its um, participation in the conflict. For example, now with Ukraine sending weapons, which this was basically every news agency in Germany said this is a historical change. Every political analyst uh, in Germany said this is a historic moment in German history because uh, Germany, because of its history, has been very reluctant to get more weapons to fund its army and especially to send weapons, to send arms to war zones. And But that is what they're doing now, sending weapons to Ukraine. And um, another historic moment is stopping Nord Stream to the gas pipeline, um, which will um, contribute to rising costs of energy and heating, a project that has been pushed by the Social Democrats, now the ruling party in the coalition, and has been basically stopped now. And yeah, in general, it's just um, German foreign policy has shifted away from this course of moderation and cooperation and to a more active interventionist foreign policy. And now we have to think about um, a regime of lasting peace in Europe without Russian integration. We always, Germany always thought about, we want Europe and peaceful, we want a secure Europe, we want a prosperous Europe, and this is only possible in dialogue with Russia. Now, with the Russian aggression in Ukraine, there has been a shift. Germany sees, obviously, it is very, very hard to integrate um, Russia into this uh, European security project. Um, so we have to find other means and other measures. In general, just to sum it up again, it is the great, great shift in German policy. Foreign policy has been giving up this policy of restraint, moderation and cooperation in favor of a more active, a more interventionist, a more, um, a more decisive foreign policy. Yeah, it definitely sounds like a very drastic change in German foreign policy. So my last question for then, Neo, is what has prompted this change? I know you've mentioned Russia a couple of times, but is this purely a response to Russian aggression or are there some other underlying factors as to why this uh, foreign policy change has occurred? I think um, the one of the Russia and the Russian aggression in Ukraine is probably the most obvious reason for the shift. Um, because now Germany has been pushed into an active role. Germany has to react because it has pledged allegiance to Ukraine as one of its European allies. And Germany has made a lot of, lot of strong condemnations towards Russia. And there has been um, a special, um, a special, they've called a special meeting in parliament even um, last week, Sunday, which is highly unusual. Uh, that rarely happens, so that um, shows you how important the war in Ukraine is to this to this um, development. But then there are also obviously underlying, uh, further underlying factors, such as the new government. So we've seen in the last government, German policy or German politics has been has been dominated by continuity. We had 16 years of Angela Merkel and basically 16 years, I think, of uh, conservative, not, not actually conservative, but varying uh, social democratic or conservative foreign ministers. And now we've got a, uh, a female green 
foreign minister who has pledged um, to push for more um, active foreign policy and stress the value of human rights uh, on the international stage and actually condemn the actions of states such as China and Russia. So to take a more active approach concerning human rights violations and such on the international stage. And I think um, also with uh, a woman in the in the role of the defense um, of the minister of defense in Germany and a social democratic woman especially we can see maybe here also a shift in in German security policy and German foreign policy so I think the new government interestingly enough even though they might seem more pacifist because they have this um, this green membership basically in the coalition and a more social democratic membership in the coalition have shifted now to a more active and radical um, foreign policy which I think even after the election in 2021, no one had seen coming. Excellent. Well, thank you, Nerd, for that really informative talk. Uh, it's been a real pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much. It was lovely to be on. So, everyone, that's been this week's podcast. Again, thank you to all of our excellent writers at The Brief and also Neo, our fantastic guest. Until next time, stay safe and goodbye. 